Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here with the top five reasons why Torin Stark knelt to Aegon the Conqueror. Number five, that King of Winter Crown is just very uncomfortable. It's made of swords, after all. Number four, Torin realized that Aegon had a matching throne to his sword crown. Sword throne, sword crown. It just, just made sense. The third reason why Torin Stark knelt to Aegon the Conqueror, uh, Brandon Snow was bad at math and only actually cut two weirwood arrows. Uh, that's what you get for trusting Bran's weirwood paste visions, I guess. Number two, Torin was going to do that Arya faceless man coin trick, but it was just too muddy. The coin got lost. Didn't work. He, he was ready to stab Aegon, but it just didn't work. And tonight's number one reason why Torin Stark yielded the north up to the Targaryens, because Visenya made her mean face. Alrighty, so by now we know all about Aegon's dream, how he passed it down through the generations, and how Valyrians and Targaryens who lived both long before and long after Aegon also dreamed of the end of the world and the prince that was promised. By now we know that there must always be a Targaryen upon the Iron Throne, just as there must always be a Stark in Winterfell, and perhaps just as there must always be a Greenseer sitting in that lonely cave that Bloodraven calls home. But the one thing we haven't talked about yet is how Aegon's prophecy interacted with the North and the Starks of Winterfell and what the Targaryens might have done to prepare for the end of days. After all, Aegon's prophecy is, in the end, about the North. According to the words of Aegon's prophecy, the prince that was promised has a song of fire and ice, after all. And of course, Aegon foresaw the threat to the world as some kind of cold enemy coming from the North. So it really is above the neck where the rubber meets the Valerian Stone Road, so to speak. And Kind of just made it sound like we ran somebody over with a car. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, up north is really where it comes down to practical preparations for the actual fight that the living will have to wage against the dead and their cold masters. Today's topic, as you guessed from the top five list, is the submission of Torrin Stark, then King of the North, to Aegon and his sisters at the River Trident. The question is, why did Torrin Stark kneel? Besides Visenya's mean face, which is very, very intimidating. We're told that Torrin knelt because of Aegon's dragons, of course. I mean, he'd heard about Hare and Hall and the Field of Fire, like everyone else, and saw that he just didn't have any kind of anti-dragon technology. No way to kill dragons at all. Not even a secret magic way to... Oh, 
what's this? His bastard brother Brandon Snow offered to cross the trident under cover of night and slay all three dragons, Balerion, Vagar, and Meraxes, while they slept? Precisely how the was he going to do that? And why didn't Torin let him at least have a go if he thought he could pull it off? I mean, even if he failed, Torin could have just been like, no, I don't know this guy. I've never seen him before in my life. Brandon who? Brendan? Br Brendan? Well, kidding aside, many people have connected Brandon Snow's offer to kill all three dragons single-handedly to one of Bran Stark's weirwood-paced visions from A Dance with Dragons. A dark-eyed youth, pale and fierce, sliced three branches off the weirwood and shaped them into arrows. So you see why this vision is a good match for Brandon Snow, right? Three arrows for three dragons, and... Who would be surprised if weirwood arrows turned out to have some sort of magical property that is inimical to dragons, who are, of course, magical creatures? I mean, if the black dragonglass knives slay the White Walkers, then it kind of makes sense if there was some sort of equal and opposite force on the other side, white weirwood arrows to slay dragons. I mean, you know, just saying, maybe. And at the very least, it's believable that Northmen like Brandon Snow might believe that weirwood arrows could slay dragons. And what other gambit could Brandon have had that he thought he could slay those three behemoths single-handedly? It really does have to have been some kind of magical solution, and it doesn't really seem like Brandon Snow had any of those cool White Walker spears laying around, despite his snowy name. So... These weirwood arrows have been everyone's best guess for a long time. Now, of course, it could be that Torin really did kneel to Aegon simply because it was the wisest course of action. I do want to say that. There really doesn't need to be another reason. I mean, those are freaking dragons, right? However, given that we know now that Aegon was thinking about a prophesied threat from the north as he was conquering Westeros, and given that weirwood arrow vision... We also have to consider the possibility that Brandon Snow's offer was not a vain boast and that Torn Stark actually did have a way to potentially slay the dragons, but chose not to because Aegon shared his dream with him and because they shared a mutual understanding of the graveness of the threat. And really, why wouldn't Aegon have told Torn about just how high the stakes were? Aegon would have wanted the North as his strongest ally not a reluctant enemy that he had to burn and beat down into submission. Aegon absolutely would have placed the highest priority on establishing a partnership or agreement with the most powerful and ancient house in the north, House Stark. And that's why I got my Stark-Targaryen partnership t-shirt on. And of course, it's even possible that Aegon's prophecy, which maybe worded slightly differently in the books or have more to it, actually mentioned House Stark specifically or through symbolic clues. So here's why the possibility that Aegon told Torrin about his dream is such a potent idea. Because House Stark, like all the oldest northern houses, would already have a general awareness of the White Walkers and the Long Night, right? Both in folklore and even in written records at places like Castle Black and Winterfell. So if Aegon had mentioned dreaming of any kind of threat involving a terrible winter or a cold enemy at their meeting, Torin would, of course, have immediately thought of the Others and the Legends of the Long Night. That, in turn, might give Aegon credibility in Torin's mind, as opposed to Aegon just sounding like some sort of madman. Aegon would also have come off to Torin and his counselors as someone working for the greater good, 
and not merely a conqueror, and thus the kind of leader that they might feel comfortable submitting to. Most importantly, if Torin still held any belief in the potential threat of the others, then it's not hard to imagine him looking at Aegon and his sisters with their huge fire-breathing dragons while listening to Aegon talk about a threat from the north and putting this all together. So, this family with flying, fire-breathing battle dinosaurs wants to help save the world in the event that the ice demons come again. Now that I think about it, that, that might come in handy. And thus, we have a very practical basis for an agreement. Not only an agreement that the Starks would submit to the Targaryen monarchs, but perhaps that they would even work together whenever this threat from the north materialized. Aegon, of course, had no way of knowing when the apocalypse would come, so he may have wanted to establish an accord of cooperation as soon as possible. People trying to interpret prophecy do tend to think that they're going to come true in their own lifetime, whether that be Targaryen dragon dreamers or some of the people I grew up with who read the book of Revelations too many times and have been looking for signs of the end times in the weather patterns since the 80s. Ah, memories. In other words, uh, if Aegon really was conquering and unifying the Seven Kingdoms in order to prepare for the battle against the White Walkers, then the North is the most important part of that kingdom to unify, right? And indeed, he seems to have forged a strong relationship of trust with Torrin Stark, giving the Northmen wide latitude to maintain their customs, cultural practices, and of course, their religious worship of the old gods. Torrin, for his part, allowed those Northmen who opposed Aegon's rule to exile themselves from Westeros. And we can say allowed, but the point is, Torrin didn't tolerate rebellion against the Targaryens. And no rebellions from the North ever sprang up against House Targaryen until Ned Stark joined Robert Baratheon to overthrow the Mad King Aerys Targaryen. Even during the chaos of Aenys's weak reign and Maegor's terrible one, when treasons were springing up like weeds, House Stark was always loyal. So after this meeting, Aegon did not return to Winterfell until his final royal progress in 33 AC, a mere four years before his death. So if we're to ask why didn't Aegon visit more often if the North was so important, then I think the answer is that Aegon was concerned primarily with unifying his realm, and with the North squarely in his corner, most of that work was now in the South, both in Dorne and in the rest of the realm below the Neck. In fact, I think it actually makes more sense to suppose that Aegon left the North alone for so long precisely because he did tell Torn about the prophecy. I mean, if both of them had got on the same page about the White Walkers being a very real threat to end all life on the Earth, then Aegon would have had reason to count on Torn's loyalty being unwavering, as it turned out to be. In this scenario, both of them would have known that there were simply much higher stakes involved than any political Game of Thrones just as we the readers do. All right, so plot twist. It may have actually been Brandon Snow, whom Aegon told first, Torrin's bastard half-brother, and not Torrin Stark himself. I noticed when rereading this section from my cockatoo-worn copy of Fire and Blood that it was, in fact, Brandon Snow whom Torrin sent across the Trident to begin negotiating with Aegon, and that messages went back and forth throughout the night to set up the events of the following day where Torrin himself crossed the Trident 
knelt to Aegon and offered up to him the ancient iron and bronze crown of swords of the kings of winter. In other words, Torin and Aegon actually never spoke until after their agreement was already made. So the only way that Aegon's prophecy would have reached Torin's ears and played a part in his decision to submit would be if Aegon had told Brandon Snow, who would then have told his half-brother Torin. And this actually makes a lot of sense if indeed Brandon Snow is the one in Bran's visions fashioning the weirwood arrows. If Brandon is doing things like making weirwood arrows to kill dragons, then he's obviously a Stark who's connected to the magical lore of the old gods. The only other person we've ever heard of using weirwood arrows is, of course, Lord Brendan Rivers, a.k.a. Blood Raven, a.k.a. the Three-Eyed Crow, who was said to have used a black spell with his white arrows to kill none other than Damon Blackfire. That doesn't tell us anything about whether weirwood arrows can kill actual dragons, of course, but it could be that they are more easily guided by magic or something like that. And perhaps Brandon thought he could hit all three dragons in the eye with such a black spell and a white arrow. So my main point is that Brandon Snow seems to know bits of obscure weirwood lore that only people like Bloodraven are hip to. That means that Brandon was exactly the sort of person that would not only put stock in Aegon's dream, but also someone who would probably know the tales of the others, the last hero, and the first long night better than most. You can definitely picture Aegon and Brandon chopping it up late into the night over ancient lore and prophecy. And by the time Brandon returned to his half-brother Torin, he would have been able to lay out a pretty persuasive case as to why Aegon should be trusted. Torin Stark, being well aware of his brother Brandon Snow's knowledge of magic lore, would probably be inclined to weigh his opinion heavily. So you can kind of imagine how this all might have gone. Anyway you slice it, Brandon Snow must have played a key role here. And now that we know about the existence of Aegon's prophecy, we can kind of fill in some of these blanks as we have today. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I think it's very likely that Aegon told Brandon and Torin, and it could be that subsequent Starks knew something of Aegon's prophecy as well. Mmm, video forthcoming. Let me know what you think in the comments, if you think Aegon told the Starks or not, and if you think this makes a little more sense out of Torin's choice to kneel. I'll be back in a couple of days with a video about Aegon's prophecy and RLJ, that's right, the possibility that Rhaegar told Lyanna, and I've even got some insight on what Lyanna may have told Ned at the Tower of Joy. That's right, I think we can finish the line, promise me Ned, dot dot dot. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel so you don't miss that video or any live streams. And by the way, I did a live stream with Greyways Tim this past Sunday where we compared the Fire and Blood version of the Green Coup to the House of the Dragon version of the Green Coup. So check that one out if that sounds interesting as Tim really brought the thunders. He's a real dynamo and I think it was a particularly good stream. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Cheers, and I'll see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. An official message from Medicare. 
A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.